This is the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down districts five and six week in, week out in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey, as always, joined by Sean Kane. Sean, what's up? Hey, man. You know, it's uh, been a lot going on. I, You know, I always start with these really intriguing monologues, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, everyone's like, why aren't we talking tennis? And, it, you know, it's not the season yet, but, you know, the season for pros has started. Uh, the Australian Open, and man, there was a doozy of a match last night. You had Andy Murray, who's came back from a hip surgery, probably never was going to play again. One in five sets over a young Australian guy, and it ended at four o'clock in the morning. So uh, the tennis and all at yeah, four o'clock in the morning. So now there's this big question whether or not they should, you know, when when is it you know too late to start a match, and should they be playing to four o'clock in the morning? But with all that being said, <laughs> no, Rafi Nadal played. He lost early in the first round, but he had a really good quote, which I, I've kind of seen this a lot um, this week in, in basketball, is he was injured, and, and he goes, you know, whatever, I have an injury, and that's it, and whatever. But at the end of the day, um, in, in whatever sport you're playing, the essence of the sport is you got to take your chances and, and try to finish the game, you know, and just take your chances. And that's what we've kind of been seeing this week in East Idaho is uh, people taking their chances and, you know, they might not win, but, you know, they're not giving up and, and they're taking their shots like literally on the court. I was wondering how you were going to tie that in, but uh, I should have known you're a pro. So, of course, <laughs> yeah, you brought it right back around. What a night. So so a little behind the scenes, we usually record on Wednesdays, um, but yesterday I was I was not feeling well. And honestly, I'm still kind of not, which is why I'm very casually dressed in my Lapway Wildcats hoodie. But um, so, so I said, Sean, can we record tomorrow? And as we're talking about, you know, what we're going to talk about, Sean, you were like, yeah, there's actually some pretty big games like on the Wednesday night schedule. So yeah, maybe we should wait um, until those are, are done. So then we have more to talk about. And I completely agree. And, and to me, the biggest matchup, not just in East Idaho, but to me, the biggest matchup in the entire state last night was in girls hoops, Thunder Ridge at Rigby. Finally, finally, we get to see these two juggernauts play. Thunder Ridge uh, walks away with the 62-49 to 49 victory to remain undefeated on the year. They're now 18-0, 3-0 in conference. Rigby is 15-3 and 2-1 and in conference. And Sean, you watched this game last night. What were your takeaways? Um, well, my takeaway is you've got just two really, really good games or games. You got two really good teams, but the, the thing about Thunder Ridge is, which I didn't notice before until last night was their ability to spread the court and open it up, um, and just find the holes in the defense is amazing. And, you know, Aspen Caldwell had 31 points. I mean, almost unstoppable but you know what she you know doesn't do in points she's good at facilitating get the ball to other players and uh, i mean if aspen caldwell scores 31 points in a game it's that's just a hard team to play you know at halftime it was eight, 18 uh rigby was 18 thunder ridge was 30 um and then rigby had the highest scoring quarter of the third quarter they scored 21 points kind of cut it in but just could never never take them down but i will say this about rigby uh, Cambry Barbie or Barber is, she is a phenomenal player. And that's kind of where I got was thinking of Nadal. Like she is all over the court. She's trying to block shots. She's on the ground. And my insider info said she got into foul trouble early. 
Um, so by the end of the third quarter, she already had four fouls and that kind of, that played a big role in it because she just plays aggressive. She goes out there and does what you want as a coach. And, um, you know, some, some people said if she didn't get in early foul trouble, cause she had to come out quite a bit because of the fouls, uh, it, it would have might've been a little closer, but, uh, you know, the good news is, uh, well, I don't know if it's good news, but they're, they'll meet in a week, just a week's time. They're going to play, they're going to do it again at Thunder Ridge, but, uh, yeah, two just really good teams, and uh, you've got a lot of star power. Um, and I just think Thunder Ridge, you've just got to look at how they open up the open up the floor and their transition. Um, how they play in transition is is as good as any team I've seen this year. Yeah. So some takeaways from the game that I saw. Um, you're right. Uh, the first quarter was tight. Um, it was 10 to eight thunder after one quarter. And then thunder outscores rigby 20 to 10 in the second quarter. And that, that lead that they had bankrolled at halftime kind of sustained them through the second half where rigby would go on a run and cut it to seven and then thunder would get, you know, put it back out to double digits. And so rigby would just could never climb that mountain all the way because they were down by 12 at halftime. And so that to me was really important. That second quarter to me is where things really swung. The other thing I've noticed is that both of these teams have really good guard play. Like we we know Thunder Ridge, right? With Aspen Caldwell and Kennedy Stenquist and um Marley Mar- Spencer. Yeah, Marley Spencer. That's that's a three-headed monster. They can all handle the ball. They all apply pressure defensively too and make it a nightmare for opposing guards that that want to try and bring the ball up the floor. And and you talked about Rigby is built more from the out the inside out, right? With Cambry Barber and and Miley Graham, they both are six feet tall, but Rigby's got some very underrated guards as well. Um, when you look at Danzy, uh, Kylie Danzy, and then also um, their point guard, Abby Scott, I think is really underrated. So it, it, these two teams to me are pretty even. Um, you know, Thunder obviously gets the win, and so they should be a notch ahead of Rigby. But I like, and we've talked about this for weeks, <laughs> I like both of these teams to, to get to state, Whoever takes second has to win a play-in game. I think that's a slam dunk. You can lock it in. And then I think once both of these teams get to state because of their guard play, um, they're, both teams are capable of getting on a run and, and winning it. Yeah, and, you know, and talking to um, uh, Thunder Ridge's AD Travis Hobson about it, he was, you know, he's like trying to get me to run the numbers. Like, I know how Max Preps works. <laughs> 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 yes sir uh, let me get my slide rule out and i and, and you know and we're just kind of looking at it and and talking about it and it's you know <laughs> they might end up having to play on the same half of the bracket you know but i would hopefully hopefully not um so that's kind of one thing to think about as far as that goes is whoever you know i, I feel pretty confident whoever takes second is probably going to make it to state whoever they play because they're just two really good teams um, you know, the common opponent they kind of have was a Hawaii and uh, Thunder Ridge beat them and Rigby played them pretty close, but didn't come away with the win. So they do kind of kind of one comparable Boise team. Uh, so, man, it'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how it pans out at the end and where, where they'll be in that bracket is, is kind of what I'm thinking. But it was funny. He was talking to him. The coach is like, uh, um, you know, they're they're just kind of talking like. You know, this game isn't, you know, these games are important, but, you know, we it's really important to win districts. And Travis Hobson's like, no, no, no wait a minute. Stop the engines. You got to win your regular season games because 
the district play doesn't count towards your max prep ranking. So right. in essence, your almost your regular season games are much more important as far as the ranking, right? Obviously, you have to win districts or take second or whatever to get to state, but it makes that regular season and these matchups so exciting and 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 they they weigh heavy because of where that will pan out at the end. Yeah, I will tell you, looking at the max prep rankings right now, as they stand in for 5A, I think the data is there. When you get down to like the 1A level, there's a ton of schools that like aren't reporting scores that it's not being regulated very well. Um, so the the smaller you get, the more wonky the numbers are. But 5A is pretty steady in how they report their scores. Thunder Ridge is one right now. Uh, Coeur d'Alene is two. Lake City is three. Rigby is four. How about that? Not a single Boise team in the top four. Hawaii is the highest at five, and then Boise is six. So both of these second-place teams from the north and the east have to win play-in games, essentially against the fifth and sixth-place teams from Boise. I think Boise only gets four teams in. You're going to have two from the north, two from the east, four from Boise. And if it holds, you're looking at Thunder and Rigby on the same side of the bracket, possibly for the semis. Yeah, and you know, I was talking to people up north because that that conference is going to kind of be the same thing with those two teams. You know, who comes away with that? But winning those regular season games are going to be so important in your your final ranking. You don't want to. I mean, I've never heard a coach. Yeah, we'd just love to go play this team for the fifth time. You know what I mean? You just that's not what you want. Um, <laughs> so I, I, it'll just be it's just real exciting, and uh, I I kind of. I guess that's the one thing I like about Max Preps is it makes the regular season very exciting and and just makes it, you know, kind of do or die when it gets down to it. You, whatever your record is great is great, but sometimes these important games as far as that ranking go just make it uh, even more intriguing. Yeah, it's so that was a good opening salvo between these two teams. Can't wait for the rematch in uh, Idaho Falls in a week, as you said. The next biggest uh, game was from last night. We were talking about it all year long. Shelly, 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 top team in 4A, like easily it's Shelly. Who's going to beat them? So far, Pocatello, the only team that had, right? And that was a non-conference game until last night. The Blackfoot Broncos, I'm telling you, Coach, uh, Coach Odom does such a great job with those girls. They lost almost everybody from last year's team, like almost everybody. They bring back Barley Piper, uh, Espy Vergara, a couple others, but it, it it is, for the most part, a new cast of characters at Blackfoot this year. And when you look at their overall record, boy, they're 9-8. and eight. That's not that great, but they have played a gauntlet of a schedule, and they are very quietly 6-1 and one in league play. And it finally all came to fruition last night after losing to Shelley by 8 the first time this year in December. They beat Shelly by eight last night, fifty-eight to forty-six. What a win for the Broncos! Yeah, and and I, I mean, you know, go back and check the replay. I was like hoping we could bring it up. I'm pretty sure I said after watching <laughs> Blackfoot beat um, Skyline that I'm like, you got to watch out for Blackfoot. They're like kind of just hovering there, and sure enough, you know, the Russets come down to Bronco Country and. They they get they get uh, bucked off real quickly and you know um and and the it was it was interesting you mentioned Marley Piper she had 18, 18 points but they had a sophomore Addie Tanner she went three for four from the three point line and uh you know they sh- they they made a lot of threes they 
They made six, well, not a ton, but they made six threes, you know. That's, you make six three-pointers, that, that can be the difference. And we all know that that's a good shooting team. But, I mean, watch out. The they're I mean, essentially, they're in, in first in the conference. Well, I guess they'd be tied, right, with Shelly, each with right. one loss, each with one loss because they each beat each other once. So now they're one and one. So the, the last few games are going to be important to get that number one seed in districts. But nice job by the Broncos to come out and uh you know everyone's kind of been on uh, a high for the Shelly team which they should be that they're a great team nothing to take away there but um that's why the regular season's so important and exciting and i should mention this league gets two bids to state and that's it no play in game nothing it's top two or bust so when you look you at the skyline league, yes <laughs> when, when you look at the league standings Shelly and blackfoot are now both six and one and then you have hillcrest idaho falls and sky I line all at three and four and all three of those teams are capable of beating a Blackfoot beating a Shelly. I mean, the games this year have been fairly close, you know, skyline lost to Hillcrest by eight 59 to 51. They also beat Hillcrest by two skyline lost to Blackfoot by nine. They'll play Blackfoot again. Skyline lost to Shelly by two in overtime. That was the game that you and I were at Sean broadcasting, so I mean it's it's there. They've beaten Idaho Falls. They've lost to Idaho Falls. I mean, this league is up and down. There's just like I don't know. Who whoever can play the most consistently at districts is gonna have a sh- great shot. So yeah, I mean, I'm good thing they have Ty Shippen to do the brackets because you might have to do a, <laughs> a coin flip or something to separate those those, you know, because everyone's gonna have kind of a interesting record as far as the conference you know so where how do you get your seed and the head-to-heads that's going to be it's going to be crazy and we still got you know a few games all the games probably left for most most of those teams are conference games so i mean it's gonna be it'll, it'll be a race it'll be probably one of the most intriguing conference tournaments i think um in any di- well in, not in any division but definitely in 4a yeah, uh, I, I think that's going to be the most intriguing for sure in 4A girls basketball. Um, <clears throat> when you talk about uh, when you talk about moving on, now we're going to dip down to to 3A basketball. Oh, I, I will mention real quick: Skyline still does play both Shelly and Blackfoot one time. So um, I don't know <laughs> who, who I, I, after last year. I never count out Skyline. So and, and Skyline is just that's a team too that I, you know at any given night could beat those teams. I've seen pretty much all those teams live at this point, and they both have they all have you know stars. And a lot of times it comes down to what like what's that third player or that fourth player who's going to step up and kind of bring you home. So that will kind of be I kind of think the key for some of those teams. What's what's the other person? We know this person's good. Who's going to step up? Yeah, that's who who the the third and fourth bananas, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. in the bunch. Um, okay, let's take a look at three A basketball now, and we're going to switch over to boys basketball for the first time. Um, where, <laughs> amazingly, Sean, still nobody has played a single conference game <laughs> because you've got a three team district six, Teton, Sugar Salem, South Fremont, and a three team district five, Snake River, Marsh Valley, American Falls. All of them are zero and zero in league play. Can we please get to some conference action? Well, we've had a lot of cross pollination, right? And I've talked about this in the past. I don't know why district five and six don't just combine for one big league. Um, 
because then instead of one and a quarter bids, you know, maybe you'd get two and a half or something. I don't know, but they, they all play each other anyways. And the big game was last night on IdahoSports.com and boys basketball. Marsh Valley went to Sugar Salem and the diggers held serve at home winning 70 to 58, a nice 12 point win there. Marsh Valley last Thursday uh, played Teton and lost by six. So Teton has swept the season series with Marsh Valley winning by five and six points respectively. Sugar has lost to Marsh Valley and then they beat Marsh Valley last night. And then you've got Snake River who very quietly is just kind of going about their business. They're 11 and four. Snake River this year lost to Sugar, still plays Sugar once. They lost to Teton by five in overtime. They still play Teton one more time. So everybody's kind of beaten up on each other. Bottom line is only the district champ from district five and six are guaranteed to get to state. And then the two second place teams play each other in a play-in game. And then the winner of that still has to play yet another play-in game. So among these four, Teton, Sugar, Marsh Valley, Snake River, who's got the best chance of? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, oh boy, I think Teton and and Sugar are right now kind of a toss up to me. Um, I kind of, you know, if you had to give me, if you said last night, you're going to pick, I would have picked Marsh Valley um, just by, you know, from the hip, but to see Sugar beat uh, Marsh Valley kind of opens some eyes to me. So you know, I kind of see, I kind of, I kind of would put sugar at the top, um, just right now because of that. And, uh, you know, snake river is just, you know, it's kind of, it'll be interesting when snake river plays conference to kind of see where they're at because they lost a close game to sugar too. Like you said, um, and a close game in overtime to Teton. So very, I mean, and just close, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Sugar's kind of what kind of we'd say has the pedigree. They've been there. Um, They're kind of returning. But yeah, I don't know. I I just don't, I don't have a a surefire answer for you right now. (laughs) I I think I'd rank the teams this way. Sugar and Marsh Valley are the ones with the recent pedigree, right? Sugar won three titles in a four year span. And then there was a two year kind of hiatus where they were just average. Um, and then Marsh Valley, of course, won the three, a championship, uh, two years ago, got the state last year. Um, but to me, Tetons won because they've got, they can beat you a number of different ways. They've got the Husevelts, right. Uh, Thomas and, and, uh, Jerem. Um, but they've also got, you know, Brody Hess, who is a capable scorer of the basketball. They just, they've got more tools in the toolbox to me. Um, I would put actually sugar second because they're so well coached. Tyler Freeman gets the most out of his guys every single game. And so sugar doesn't really have the one guy where you're like, okay, yeah, this is their, their stud. This is their crew Clark, so to speak. Um, They've got a lot of complimentary pieces and they really play well together as a team. Third, I would say is Snake River. Snake River is really top heavy, right? They've got some. They've got some dudes that can ball. Uh, Marcus Coombs, Luke Higginson, Danny Ray, all phenomenal, uh, phenomenal players. But they don't have the depth that some of the other teams have. And then I would put Marsh Valley fourth, mostly because it's a new group of guys. I mean, they don't have much coming back from last year in terms of, you know big varsity contributors with the exception of Stanton Howell, right? Stanton Howell is kind of the one constant 
for Marsh Valley, but it's otherwise it's a lot of guys, you know, Ezra Godfrey, Alex Vaughn. Um, they've got uh, Bradley Belknap, all kind of complimentary players in years past. And now they're asking to be, you know, the, a, a starter and a key guy. And I think they're still adjusting to that a little bit, but that's kind of how I see it right now. Check back in in two weeks. It'll probably be <laughs> yeah. the exact opposite, right? <laughs> uh, that that might be. You know, I think, yeah, it'll just it'll be. A, you'll have to see what happens. I mean, when you get the small conferences, you all know each other. You know what's going to happen. But that's one thing, and going out and play the games another thing. So I think, I mean, literally, we're just going to have to see what happens in the games. Yeah. All no right, conference well, games. So we got it. We got to wait. If you want more confusion and more headaches, let's go to two-way basketball, boys basketball, and let's start in the Nuke, the Nuclear Conference District 6. Uh, right now, kind of the opening blow was delivered. So conference play started last week, and West Jefferson went on the road to North Fremont, a team that has lost, I think, two games, period, in the two years prior to this year. Um, and they and they get a win at North Fremont, 58 to or 55 to 48. What a signature breakthrough win for West Jefferson. They follow that up with a tight loss at home on Saturday to Firth by a final of 58 to 46. But then they bounce back last night, Sean, and beat Ryrie, the preseason favorite, 59 to 50. So currently you've got <laughs> you've got Firth at 2 and 0 in the league and 10 and 4 overall. Ryrie and West J are both 2 and 1 in the league. West J right now in second because of the head-to-head win over Ryrie. Ryrie's got the better overall record, 11 and 2. West J's 8 and 5. But West J played a very challenging schedule. They played Teton twice this year um, and, and lost both of those games. They went and played uh, 4A and 3A schools at the Parma tournament. So um, to me, West J and Firth look really good. Uh, West J in particular, Coach Kelvin Croche doing a phenomenal job with the Panthers. Yeah, you've got a league that's, you know, it's been North Fremont or Bus for. A very long time and that's kind of switched up and you know Ryrie uh, you know there's a lot of people hyped about Ryrie so you know West Jefferson they sit in that you know I guess that semi third spot but you know they've got some they've got some good wins they've played you know I'm just looking at their schedule they've played some tough opponents and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see when they go back and play Firth again because um I mean, that's kind of a gauntlet of a schedule, right? You go North Fremont, Firth, and then Ryrie, all right in a row. So there's no rest for the weary. But I like West Jefferson there. I still think Ryrie um, is is probably kind of the top dog maybe going forward. No, no pun intended because aren't they the Bulldogs? But, uh, yes. yeah, it'll be an interesting um, battle for sure. Yeah, so I, I, wrote, I wrote an article about uh, the West Jefferson boys as part of our uh, Idaho – boys basketball top 25 daily rankings, which by the way, you can still check out on our website, idahosports.com. Every day I post a new, the new top 25 and I kind of highlight one team or one game. Um, and it's gotten pretty good feedback. You know, if you, <laughs> you can get caught in the weeds, uh, you know, debating the rankings, but really to me, the the cool part about it is putting a spotlight on, on a specific team um, that otherwise just doesn't get, I mean, where else is West Jay getting the love and the publicity this year besides, you know, uh, idahosports.com. So it was really fun to write that uh, that feature about West Jay after that win at North Fremont. Um, in that win over North Fremont, Blake Briggs had 21 points, very quietly. Might be, uh, you know, a candidate for for Nuke Player of the Year. Um, he is really 
elevated his game to another level. So Blake Briggs had 21 points. Bo Peterson had 11. Jaron Rojas had eight um, for West Jay in that win over North Fremont. Um, and and we mentioned, you know, their their schedule has been very tough. Um, they lost uh, to American Falls by four. They lost to Teton by five. We just got done talking about how good Teton is. Um, and, and how about this? They played Teton in, in early December and lost by 17. And then five days later, they, they played Teton again and only lose by five. So that, that to me says, okay, West is pretty good at making adjustments. Um, and, and after losing to American Falls by four the first time around, they win by 13. So they actually beat American Falls the second time they played them. So Coach Crouch, uh, very good at making adjustments. Um, and so West is a team, yeah, they lost to Firth. We'll see what happens in that rematch, but I'll bet that they come out with a new strategy and a couple of new wrinkles. It'll be interesting to see how they attack that. And that's and that's like you know coaching. You know, you go and play these games, and can you come back and you know whatever you change from man to man to zone or whatever. But if you can make adjustments, um, you know, because you know two A the two A basketball, it's not like the team's going to dramatically change. It's not like they're going to find a new guy, right? You. You've got the players, you know who's there, and and just overall, two A is just going to be. I mean, there's just a lot of teams in two A across the state are very intriguing. You'll probably be writing a lot of two A stories. I mean, when I look at that list that you have there now, you know, you've just got a, You've got a lot, and um, um, you know, I I think you know Bear Lake and Aberdeen are two tough two A teams that are kind of under the radar too. You know, and man, yeah, there's just two A is nuts. Yeah, Bear Bear Lake kind of took it to West Side last night in in boys hoops, um, sixty six to forty two. You know that's uh, twenty plus point margin, twenty four point margin of victory for Bear Lake. So yeah, they're kind of very quietly coming around too. Um, I'm not joking, Sean. I looked at this today for two A basketball statewide. There's like seventeen teams that could all get to state. I'm not even joking. Declo and Wendell from District Four. Kellogg, St. Mary's, Orofino, all from the north, all really good teams. From the nuke, I think any of the top four, you know, no disrespect to Salmon, but they're just in such a tough league. But Firth, Ryrie, West Jay, North Fremont, all could get in. Bear Lake, Aberdeen, Westside, all from District 5, I think could play their way to state. And then from District 3, Melba, Coal Valley, New Plymouth, Nampa Christian, Ambrose, even Marcin. I mean, yeah. they're 2A basketball is wide open. You know, there's this one really good team at the top in Melba, right? They're the defending mm-hmm. champs. But everybody else, I mean, I don't know. It, it could be any combination of teams. It's going to be really fun to see who gets there. Yeah, and and, and just kind of picking back up on West Jefferson, they did beat Declo um, early in January here. So I thought that was a pretty good win, uh, 75 yes. to 56 over a really good Declo team. So West Jefferson, you know, you always are scared by a team that can come back and and beat you a second a second time kind of differently. I mean, it's it's a very uh, a deadly combination. Yeah, and the next domino in the nuke will fall Friday night, Sean. Tomorrow night, Firth takes on Ryrie. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> that could that could create a log jam and a three way tie atop the nuke if uh, Ryrie can get the win over Firth. So we will see. Um, Let's wrap up at the 1AD2 Rocky Mountain Conference girls basketball. We're we're getting down to the end of the the regular season here. 
and the Rockland girls continuing to show that they are still the favorite. They finally got to play Mackie, right? All year it's kind of been Rockland, Mackie, and Ledor. Those are the big three all kind of competing with one another. Uh, and and Rockland and Mackie finally met for the first time last Thursday uh, in a conference game. Rockland got the win, 45-38, to 38, so a seven-point win, kind of low scoring. And then they just played again Tuesday night in a non-conference game, Sean, and Rockland won that game by 10, 44 to 34. I don't know. That tells me that it's it's pretty close between these two teams. Yeah, and and if you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we were kind of talking about Mackey a little earlier earlier in the season. Kind of they had some good wins this year, and uh um, you know, we we were kind of like, you know, Mac Mackey's pretty good. They're they're able to get out some wins, but really hard to beat those bulldogs right now <laughs> i mean um yeah i think you know just looking at it you know R- rockland is is kind of the team to beat in that in that conference and i think mackie is the second you know pretty solid there but Ledor is a team i i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't sleep on yeah i i recently wrote features uh for both rockland and Ledor. Ledor. And those were the two teams that got to state last year from the Rocky Mountain Conference for Ledor. Last year, it was their first trip to state since like 2000. Um, wow. So it was quite a drought. Uh, that was back when Holly Tyler was playing for Ledor. Um, that was probably before your time, Sean. When it, when when were you? When did you live in East Idaho? When did you move out here? Uh, my whole life, Brandon. <laughs> I've always oh. been here. I'm a Pocatello guy for 40 years. Why did I think <laughs> I, I, uh, you got family in Illinois and I thought you like grew Everyone, up? No, no, just all my, all my family leave, lives in Illinois, but my parents moved out here and I'm, my joke is I'm the only cane born in Idaho. I've ne- you know, I've never <laughs> met another cane. <laughs> so, right, man, I had that way off. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you remember or not, but Holly Tyler uh, for Ledor was six foot three, which, you know, doesn't happen often in girls basketball. It especially doesn't happen at Ledor, which is one of the smaller schools, right? Um, and she's always been a personal favorite of mine because uh, I grew up in Missoula, obviously, and and Holly Tyler went on to play for the Montana Lady Grizz, and she was a phenomenal four-year starter, basically, for the Lady Grizz. So I, I knew I knew Holly Tyler as a Montana Lady Grizz long before I knew she was from Ledor. Um, okay. But she 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 was part of that team that got to state in two thousand, um, and then. They went through a little drought and then they got back last year. And uh, I don't think they lost anybody from last year's team. So Ledor is right there in the mix. Um, Mackie has Megan Moore, who's a tremendous post player underneath. She's committed to Idaho State to be a thrower for the uh, Bengals track and field program. Um, but but Rockland, man, they're just constant. They've got the Wilson twins. They've got Taylee Boyer. They've got uh, Autumn Farr, which is, uh, if you'll remember, Sean, when you and I did the 1AD2 girls tournament two years ago, Rockland had Kearsley Boyer and Ember Farr. Yep. These are their younger sisters, so it's kind of yeah. the next generation. They've got, of course, it's not a Rockland team without a couple of Permans. They've got yep. they've got Perman cousins that are both sophomores, the first two players in off the bench. Um, so, man, Rockland, just they look good. They look really good. Yeah, there, there's there is a lot of permans in Rockland. Yeah. I remember talking to coach, the the boys, uh, Rockland coach about that, and he's like, "Yeah, there's it's like fifth, it's like I don't know, it was crazy how many there were, very prominent names." So, I mean, good for sports in Rockland area for sure. Yeah, so um, they're they're gearing up. 
uh, for their district tournament, two teams get to go to state and there's going to be three really good teams competing. So um, Rockland officially takes first. Mackey takes second. Ledor finishes third in the league standings. So um, across the board, it's going to be fun to watch all these teams duke it out um, when district play rolls around here in a couple of weeks. So a lot of good hoops action, Sean, and we still got more uh, on the docket this weekend. We'll have, we'll have no shortage of topics to talk about on next week's episode. Yeah. I think um, one that I find kind of interesting is happening tonight is Hillcrest boys versus Madison. Uh, kind of the only team to kind of keep with Madison or with Hillcrest this year has been Madison and Madison is a good, is a good team and they find ways to win. So I'll, I'll be, kind of trying to tune into that one tonight. I think that might be one to look at, but we're, we're coming down to the nitty gritty as they say. <laughs> yeah. We're getting, we're getting down to the pointy end of the uh, pointy end of the stick here. So um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun as we sprint to the finish line for sure. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to the East Idaho prep cast, everybody uh, enjoy the competition this weekend. And uh, I know tiger Grizz wrestling is this weekend. Yeah. So that's always, yeah, that's always a huge, deal up in idaho falls so good luck to all the wrestlers that are competing up there this weekend as well and uh, we'll see you next time for sean kane i'm brandon maney thanks for tuning in to the east idaho prepcast on idahosports.com